You cannot love the invisible God and hate the visible brother. Dr. Tony Evans talks about the sin of discrimination and what it says about the firmness of our faith. If you want to measure how close you and God are, measure how close you and your brothers are. This is The Alternative with Dr. Tony Evans, author, speaker, senior pastor of Oak Cliff Bible Fellowship in Dallas, Texas, and president of The Urban Alternative. Dr. Evans, a moment ago, I heard you say that if we want to measure how close we are to God, we should take a look at how close we are to others. In your message today, you're going to talk about discrimination, not just as a problem, but as a stronghold. What's the difference? Well, Dave, a problem is something challenging in your life that you have the capacity to address. A stronghold is something that holds you hostage and you don't have the capacity to address it. You're too weak. It's too ingrained. It's too deep for you to change on your own. Obviously, racism and discrimination is one of those strongholds that is holding people hostage for generations. It's passed down from community to community, from parents to children, and it's engulfed our nation since its inception. And so it is time now that we recognize strongholds can only be broken spiritually. There's no legislation you can pass to break a stronghold. There's no group meeting that you can have to break a stronghold. Unless God gets involved, the stronghold, because it's spiritual in nature, keeps you wrapped up, tied up, and confined to your cell of discrimination. So it's time now to look at the spiritual issues that are holding us hostage racially. All right. Well, with that in mind, let's listen to what you have for us in your message for today. James chapter 2 starts us off with our discussion today as it lays out from God's vantage point the very concept of discrimination. He raises the issue in verse 1, my brethren, referring to Christians, do not hold your faith in our glorious Lord Jesus Christ with an attitude of personal favoritism. Here James raises a problem in the church that he calls personal favoritism or actions of discrimination. Now please notice a couple of immediate observations in this verse alone. The problem is not that this church did not have clear doctrine. Uh, These were clear believers who had a faith in God, in the glorious Lord Jesus Christ. Yet somehow their doctrinal belief system did not affect their interpersonal relationships and how they related to people who were different. They would look at people on the outside to determine their worth on the inside. This thing of personal favoritism, uh, my word for the same thing is discrimination, is where you treat people wrongly because they don't meet up to your standards, even though they may be meeting up to God's standard. In this particular illustration, which is fundamentally an illustration of class, the rich versus the poor, there is no condemnation of the rich man because he's rich. The rich man is not blamed for having been successful. Neither is there a condemnation of the poor man for being poor. 
It's a condemnation of the membership for being discriminatory. It was in the treatment that was the issue, not in the state or status of the particular individual. Now, the reason why this is a fundamental issue is because the Bible makes it absolutely clear that there is no partiality with God. In fact, here in James chapter 2, verse 9, please note the clear statement. But if you show partiality, discrimination, you are committing sin and are convicted by the law as a transgressor. If you show partiality, unjust discrimination toward another person because of your standard, not God's. He doesn't say this is socially unacceptable. He doesn't simply say that's not fair. James puts it on the level where it belongs. He says it is sin. Do you know why all of these isms Classism, culturalism, racism, personalityism, sexism. You know why all of these isms keep perpetuating themselves year after year and generation after generation? Because they've not been treated like sin. In fact, he goes on to say that discrimination, showing partiality, verse 11 is to be put in the same category as adultery and murder. But we don't treat it like that. We don't treat it like that because we don't believe it like that. He says that you are to look at this thing as an evil against God. It is sin. And it is a very revealing sin. Let me read to you what John says in John Chapter 1 John, chapter 4, verses 20 and 21, about this kind of attitude towards someone else. He says in 1 John, chapter 4, verse 20, if someone says, I love God and hates his brother, he's a liar. For the one who does not love his brother whom he has seen, cannot love God whom he has not seen. And this commandment we have from him, that the one who loves God loves, should love his brother also. What he says is you can't have it both ways. You cannot love the invisible God and hate the visible brother. Now you can hate what the brother does. You can hate wrong actions. That's not what he's talking about. He is talking about an attitude that despises someone else who does not meet your standards. When I was in elementary school, way back in Baltimore, Maryland, they had these old big boiler rooms, the way they heated the schools up. Uh, Furnace boiling water that sent it up through the vents into the various classrooms that had the radiators. You remember those, those radiators and the steam would go up through there? 
Well, I got to know as a child the, the engineer that handled the boiler room at Alexander Hamilton Elementary School. And he took me down to the boiler room one day, and I noticed that there was this little thin uh, glass on the side of the big, huge boiler that had a little bit of water in it. I mean, a little thin glass about this long, about this much around, that had a little water in it. And I asked him, what was that? And he said, well, that's the water gauge. I said, what does that mean? He said, well, it's simple. The little gauge lets me know how the big tanks work in. If the little gauge is only half full, the big tank is only half full. If the little gauge is only a quarter full, the big tank is only a quarter full because what you must understand is the gauge lets me see what's going on in the bigger boiler. You understand what John is saying? He's saying, you have a gauge that lets you know how you and God are doing. And you may think you and God are on big boiler room terms. But if your love gauge to your brother is thin, your relationship to God is equally thin. If you want to measure how close you and God are, measure how close you and your brothers are. Your attitude toward the visible helps you to measure your status with the invisible. He says this thing about family, your brother, your brother, your, your brother, your family, is no small thing. You show me a child who hates and despises his brother on a consistent, ongoing basis, and I'll show you a child out of fellowship with his father. You cannot despise one of my offspring and expect to be on good terms with me. Not in family, you can't. And so he raises the issue that this is a very serious matter. That it is so serious that it can stop daddy's blessing to you. For God is not interested in blessing anybody who's going to curse somebody. Let me say that again. Somebody didn't hear that. God is not interested in blessing anybody that's going to turn around and become a curse to somebody. A discrimination curse based on illegitimate criteria. We'll get back to the rest of today's lesson in just a moment. First, though, Dr. Evans, you've been making it clear that we can't wish our way out of the discrimination stronghold or legislate our way out or even educate our way out. So what can we do that'll actually work? Well, that's an exciting question to respond to today because uh, God has established the church as his dominant cultural influencer. And that's why it is the condition of the church that will determine the well-being of the community. 
So when Jesus established the church in Matthew 16, he said, my authority will be manifested through the church to advance my kingdom. And when my church is operating like my church should operate, then the society will see what God had in mind when he built civilization. So God is literally waiting on his people to come together with their uniquenesses across race, cultural and class lines and to bring God's kingdom principles to bear in the church and then through the church overflowing from the church into the community to bring about the kind of change that we desperately need to see. Yeah, and one of the ways you're helping the church unite in order to be that light to culture is by increasing the understanding of our fellow believers. And I know that's one of the reasons you wrote your new book, A Survey of the Black Church in America. Uh, In this book, you reveal some of your own hurts and hopes over the issue of discrimination. But you also give the reader an understanding of the struggles African-American believers have faced within a limiting social environment. But this book is out now, and for Black History Month, we're making it available to our listeners along with your current six-part teaching series, Faith, Hope, Unity. This book and audio collection are our thank you gift to anyone who will make a donation to keep this ministry going here on this station and others like it around the world. To take advantage of this offer, Just visit TonyEvans.org or give us a call at 1-800-800-3222, where resource team members are standing by. Again, 1-800-800-3222. We'll return with more of today's message right after this. Are you looking to embark on a unique spiritual journey? This fall, you can cruise the Mexican Riviera with Dr. Tony Evans and set your sails towards faith. Renew your soul amidst the waves when you explore Cabo San Lucas, Mazatlan, and Puerto Vallarta. Join the Evans family from November 9th through the 16th for a journey of renewal and exploration. Book your adventure today at TonyEvans.org. Enjoy and explore. Where does this sin come from? It's not complex at all. It's called pride. See, in order to put somebody else down, you've got to raise yourself up. You've got to do what Romans 12, 3 says, don't do. Think more highly of yourself than you ought to think. See, whenever the rich put down the poor, they're demonstrating pride. Whenever blacks put down whites or whites put down blacks illegitimately, It's an exercise of pride. You are thinking more of yourself. I am thinking more of myself than I ought to think. Because for me to put somebody down, I must think I'm better. Now, this is a very important issue to the devil, this discrimination stronghold. The devil knows if he can create illegitimate discrimination, particularly among believers, then he will block the flow of God's goodness to those people. He can interfere with your blessing. You don't have to turn there, but you remember the Tower of Babel when when the whole world wanted to get together and unify. There is a curious statement made in that story in Genesis chapter 11. There is a statement made there that doesn't make sense. Let us, God says, go down and confuse their language, and this is why. Because if we don't, nothing will be impossible for them. 
If we don't interrupt their unity, they will become too powerful in history. Now, that's something curious for God to say. If we don't interfere with unity, then these sinful people are going to pull together and have a power in history, not in eternity, nobody can outpower God, but a power in history that we don't want them to have. What is God saying? God is saying that he created man with the image of God and the image of God is so powerful in men that when men come together, even unrighteous men come together to do evil, unless God splits them up, they are unstoppable in history. That's why God will never let the unrighteous get together. While God does not want the unrighteous to come together, He wants the very opposite for the righteous. Why? For the same reason he doesn't want it for the unrighteous. He doesn't want the unrighteous to pull together because there's too much power in unity. And he doesn't want that much unrighteous power consolidated. But he wants the righteous to pull together because there's too much power in unity. And he wants to demonstrate what he can do when people come together under his lordship to demonstrate the glory of his power which is why Satan works overtime in the church. You see, God stops unity in the world, Satan stops unity in the church. God stops unity in the world because there's too much consolidated power. Satan stops unity in the church because there's too much consolidated power. You get that much Holy Ghost operating on, in one place at one time, you got trouble. That's why he wants to split up you and your family. Too much power if you and your wife become one. That's why he wants to split up you and the the elders and the deacons and and the membership of a congregation because there's too much power when they become one. That's why he wants to split blacks and whites and reds and yellows because there's too much power if they become one. I was amazed at some of the testimonies as I participated in the Tom Landry funeral. One testimony by one of the the black players in particular who said, I have come and I would have come even if I were not asked to speak for this reason alone. During the 60s, he said, when the society was racially divided, I always knew that when I went to the cowboy camp, this coach would treat me fairly. And then one African-American player after another came and said, this man was fair when the culture was unrighteous. And what did this man have to show for it? 20 years of winning. And going to heaven with a good name. Because he didn't let what was happening out there mess with his team in here. And too many of us are letting what folks say out there tell us how we ought to feel in here. And therefore break up our winning season for the kingdom of God. So that's the concept. Pride produces prejudice. Prejudice produces discriminations of all manner. 
Let's briefly talk about the categories of discrimination. I've mentioned them. Let me mention them again. Let's talk about the, the one that is the most celebrated kind of discrimination, particularly in America. One ism, racism. That is discrimination based on skin color. That's racism. Racism is the act of discriminating based on the complexion of another person. Discrimination is most noted for white against black. A discrimination not talked about quite as much is discrimination of light-skinned blacks against dark-skinned blacks. That has its differences. Sometimes it's it's based on a, a mentality that's wrong. Other times it's based on the ability to exercise power over somebody else or to maintain your power status. We don't have time to go into all the nuances of, of racism, but racism is faulty because it looks at the external complexion of a man and comes to a conclusion that they must be inferior. That they are less than I am, which puts me on a status higher than them. So what's the cure for a discrimination stronghold, whatever level it is? Turn to Galatians with me. The book of Galatians. Galatians dealing with law and grace, you remember? And he says... In the book of Galatians, verse chapter 2, verse 6, in the middle of the verse, God shows no partiality. He says that in the middle of the verse. God shows no partiality. That is, unrighteous distinctions. He does show partiality about right and wrong, but not based on unrighteous distinctions. Now look at chapter 3, verse 23. But before faith came, before, before coming to Christ through faith, you were kept in custody under the law, being shut up to the faith until faith that was to be later revealed. You were under the law. Therefore, the law has become our tutor to lead us to Christ, that we may be justified by faith. But now, that faith has come. We are no longer under a tutor. You're not under the law anymore. For you are all sons of God through faith in Christ, no matter what color, culture, class you are. For all of you who were baptized in the Christ have clothed yourselves with Christ. There is, watch this, neither Jew nor Greek, slave nor free, male nor female, for you are one in Christ. And if you belong to Christ, then you are Abraham's offspring and you are heirs according to the promise. Now stick with me here. Who you are, if you trust in Christ, makes no difference to God. What he's saying is not that men aren't men and women aren't women when he says there's no distinction. What he means is that there is no advantage to that status. When it comes to God, you're not closer because you're white or closer because you're black or closer because you're rich or closer because you're poor, or closer because you're a man, or closer because you're a woman, you are all on the same level ground at the cross. That's what he's saying. 
There is no distinction. Dr. Tony Evans, peeling back the layers of prejudice to reveal our commonality. Now, before we go today, I want to remind you to take advantage of our special package offer on Tony's new book, A Survey of the Black Church in America, and his six-message audio collection called Faith, Hope, Unity, a tribute to Black History Month. They're yours as a thank you gift when you make a contribution to help keep Tony's teaching on this station. But this is a limited time offer, so be sure to contact us soon. You'll find us online at TonyEvans.org or give us a phone call day or night at 1-800-800-3222, where resource team members are standing by to help you. That's 1-800-800-3222. Even though most Christians will agree that we're all equal under God, it's not hard to treat some people like they're more equal than others. Well, be sure to join us tomorrow as Dr. Evans continues his look at why fairness ought to begin within the family of God. The Alternative with Dr. Tony Evans is brought to you by The Urban Alternative and is made possible by the generous contributions of listeners like you. 